Today's episode is all about our tips for preparing for your first child, from the months before delivery to being in the hospital, and finally those first few weeks at home with a newborn. Hey everyone, welcome to the Papa Fatigue podcast, the podcast for dads by dads. So I recently got on Reddit and I've been following a lot of the parenting subreddits and one topic seems to come up all the time, expecting parents who are looking for advice. So today's episode is the advice for new parents episode. Jim and I will be providing advice on what to do in the months leading up to the delivery, what to do in the hospital and what to do when you get home. But before we get started, here's a little bit about us. I'm Dave. I'm a father of two. I have a seven-year-old girl and a four-year-old boy. Yeah, I'm Jim. I have two daughters, seven and five. So for this first section, we thought uh, it would make the most sense to discuss primarily the things that happened in the last trimester. You know, there's not really a ton of things to be doing in the first and second trimesters other than, at least in my case, looking up remedies for morning sickness, which, by the way, nothing worked for us. Um, But, you know, with that being said, Jim, why don't you kick us off and talk a little bit about your experience in that first time pregnancy and some of the advice that you might have for people? Yeah, I agree. The first and second trimester, there's not a lot, or there wasn't a lot for me to do as as the dad. I'm sure that we got a nursery organized, we got the crib, I probably put that together, but it wasn't really until the third trimester where my role became more logistics. You know, in the first and second trimester, I was supporting my wife in her pregnancy and trying to do what I, I could to be helpful to her, help her be comfortable and, and um, comfort her in, in many ways. And it was the third third trimester where I had to put the logistics together, you know, figure out the figure out the route to the hospital. We did a couple of, of test runs. We packed go bags. Uh, you know, I had an overnight bag and some things to kill time, iPads, books, and things like that. And uh, my wife's go bag was considerably more, uh, it was a bigger kit. She had to, uh, you know, talk to, <laughs> talk to her other moms, and she had just about everything that you could imagine, things that she might want, you know, comfortable blankets, uh, slipper socks, a portable fan, a speaker so she could play music, anything that could really, anything that she had heard about that was going to make her experience better or easier. And, um, and so we got all that stuff together. Like I said, we did a test run at probably at least once to the hospital. And it was, like I say, it was about logistics. My part was about logistics in the third semester. So for me, I think there are actually, so while I said there's not a ton to do in the first and, tri- first and second trimester, I would say one thing that we did do was we took a birth class, which was recommended through our OB and, and the class was given through them. Yeah, and, same. Right. It's super educational, uh, certainly is in your first go around. And I would say beyond just kind of understanding, you know, what's happening biologically and, you know, how it's all working out. I think there were sort of two things in particular that I took away from that class that I think were very, very important. The first one was the the person who was running the class said, you know what, one of the things is you are learning to be a parent, but you will also have to teach your parents how to become parents now, right? So that when, you know, you were born, whatever, 20, 30, 40 years ago, things were very different in terms of how our parents were taught to you know handle the kids and i think one uh one thing in particular they talked about was sids you know like what was allowed in a crib back then when we were all kids versus kind of how we treat things today and so you know learning to parent and also sort of getting on the same page with your parents as to kind of what you expect so you know in, in our case my parents were were great right they were like look this is your kid and you know let us know how you want to do things and if you see that 
you know, we're doing things that you don't agree with, let us know, right? Like at the end of the day, we have our own thoughts as grandparents, but this is your child and we will listen to what you have to say about how you want to raise that child. So, you know, I think we, we really appreciated that level of support. So that was never an issue, but it was certainly something that was kind of eye opening to us to think, oh yeah, I guess, you know, yeah, when, you know, when we were born, things were different for, for our parents and, and how we were raised. Um, I think I, my mom tells a story about my parents had a Spitfire, so it's a convertible two seater. And when they when they brought me home from the hospital, they didn't bring me home in a car seat. You know, like my mom just you know held me in her arms in the front seat of this convertible car in Hawaii. Uh, so yeah, I mean, really different things these days, right? Um, the next tip that I would have uh, dovetails actually with my story about coming home from the hospital uh, without a car seat in my mom's arms. Uh, I would highly suggest you get your car seat early and get it installed and inspected. So I did a lot of research on car seats to the point where I actually purchased eight car seats and fitted them all into the car to figure out which one was the best. You know, you're reading all the reviews wow. and, and, you know, the consumer reports. And a lot of it came down to the fact that even if you're using the latch system, which doesn't rely on seat belts, it, it still can be difficult, I think, to get a nice snug fit to your car seat base. And so... You know, that was one thing I was looking at. You know, we also got a Diono car seat, but at the time I had a Jetta, which is not a huge car, but it's not a, it's not necessarily a small car either. I'm a small guy, but when you turn that car seat around, so it's rear facing, it wouldn't fit yeah. behind the driver's, right. uh, the driver's side. So, you know, that's why I got a ton of different car seats and you really want to make sure that you have that car seat in there and have the time to really get it installed and properly have it checked. So I actually just alluded to the first error that I made. So despite the fact that you might be extremely, you know, handy and capable and and smart, the uh, Journal of Pediatrics says that 95% of infant car seats have at least one major installation error. And that's why not Mm -hmm. only do you install it, but you want to get it checked by somebody who knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So my installation error was, as it turns out, when you have um, side air impact bags in the rear of the car. You don't put your car seat uh, behind. You put your car seat in the middle. And the mistake that I made was I put it behind the passenger side, which you know my thinking was, well, that's the safer side of the car, right? That's the side that abuts the sidewalk. That's good for everybody. But in fact, you're not supposed to put it behind either uh, the driver or the passenger if you have mm-hmm. side air impact air impact bags, assuming that you get a good fit, right? So that was my major error. The other mistake that I made was when I put the buckles together, there's basically like a support that goes across your chest. Um, and that's mm-hmm. supposed to go underneath the the infant's armpits. And it, when I put it up, I actually just put it up underneath. Uh, I, I put it together effectively at the stomach level, which if you know, you're know you in a car an accident, your kid's basically going to be restrained at the mm-hmm. stomach, which is not really what you want to do. So um so yeah, that was uh, something that I thought was you know quite eye opening. So you know you really want to get that thing inspected, and you know the fire to police, uh, fire departments, police departments, AAA, they have free inspection services, but you do want to make sure that you get those things done in advance. So when I did it, I think the earliest opening was six weeks from when I tried to book it. So just because you're ready doesn't mean that there's a slot available or that they even do it, you know, once a week, you know, in this case, I think they only did it every six weeks. So, and then there's a line to get in. So you really want to make sure you've got that 
out of the way. We ended up uh, going to like a kid's store. There was like mm. a baby supply store, and there, one of the clerks there came out and take a look at it. Uh, I think that place is now closed, and I don't know if those sorts of stores exist. The other kind of things that we, we, we looked at was you know planning out your food situation. So this is in hindsight. We did not plan out our food situation too much. What I had done was I, I'm the cook in the house, but I figured, well, you know, it's going to be stressful. So I bought like a few frozen food dishes just in the short term as sort of bridge gaps. But what I didn't realize was how tired you really are at the beginning. I figured, well, I was, you know, reading up, okay, toddlers mm-hmm. sleep 11 to 14 hours a day. Like that gives me more than enough time to get stuff done, right? Like here's the ignorant me figuring, oh yeah, we, you know, like well, it's more naive than anything, right? Like, oh, we got plenty of time. And so you figure, and even I had taken time off of work. So I'm like, this is great. I'll be able to do a bunch of stuff. Like, I don't understand why babies are so difficult. And of course they don't sleep continuously for 11 to 14 hours. It's maybe 20 minutes here and 30 minutes there. Right. And um, everybody's trying to get stuff done or sleep during those times. So you're not going to have any free time. So I would say that if you can, if you have the ability, you know, sign up for one of these delivery services or, you know, stock up on frozen foods. If nothing else, potentially you might want to get some disposable dishware because, you know, again, that's just another thing. If you're cooking, you've got, you know, the pots and the pans, which sometimes can't go in the dishwasher. And then now you've got the dish. You know, it's just think that thing through because in as much as you can uh, avoid cooking or cooking too much, I think will really help alleviate just some of the zombie sort of tired stuff that, mm-hmm. that happens when you know, you're sleep deprived and you just don't have any time. Another thing that we did was, you know, even if you plan on breastfeeding, get a few baby bottles just in case. Right. Get that figured out. Yeah. Because we had, and I'll get into this a little bit later on, but, you know, we had some some difficulties with breastfeeding. So you really want to be prepared for that eventuality. And again, here's another situation where I probably went overboard, but, you know, I had read that, well, nipples are all a little bit different and some kids take to certain brands better than others. So I believe I had, you know, five different bottles from five different manufacturers to figure out, well, these are all different nipples and, you know, maybe the kid won't like, and at the end of the day, the kid drank from all of them. So it really didn't matter. But that was kind of the level of detail that I went into. So, you know, be ready with that um, because things don't always go to plan. And so at least that way you're not stressing, you know, bringing the kid home and then it's sick. And I mean, not sick, but everyone's tired and they're not eating. And now you have to figure out a bottle and you have to go run out to the store. And meanwhile, the kids, you know, that you just avoid all that stuff by Mm -hmm. having a little bit of, you know, sort of prep in advance. Also, I would say, you know, kind of discuss how you're going to handle the nighttime routine at home. You know, who's going to be responsible for what, you know, we, we had just, you know, Jim and I, we've, we've just done a, a podcast on sleep and, and sleep deprivation. And there, there was a study that just came out recently that said that parents will not get back to their pre-baby sleep patterns for six years after they have that child. So this is your last time to get some sleep in. And so, I mean, with that being said, really, I think in as much as you can help plan out what that first you know, how the sleep is going to go when you get back home before it happens is good. And everyone's situation is obviously obviously different. I was at home full time. So kind of the way that we handled it was my job was to wake up. And when the baby cried, wake up, check the diaper and then hand her off to my wife for breastfeeding. So, you know, even if you're even if you're breastfeeding, you as a father can still play a role. Uh, and, and I think at least share in that that process and alleviate maybe some of the the strain on, on on the mother if she's breastfeeding, but at least everybody feels like I think they're engaged in the process if at least you sort of, quote, suffer at the same time by getting up. And, and right, so that, right. Sure right. I burden. mean, that should be, I think, the the job there. 
The other thing that I would look at is getting a sleep sack. And you'll learn quickly what swaddling is and how to do it. But uh, certainly at the beginning, it's it's tough. And so if you don't know what a sleep sack is, it's basically, think of it as a baby version of a cross between a straight jacket and a sleeping bag. So you just kind of, you, you kind of zip them in and you can actually... Um, you know, secure their arms so that they can't move. And and some babies prefer that. That's effectively what the swaddling process is. And that's, um, so yeah, I mean, those things were indispensable for us when we mm-hmm. were starting to go. The next thing is discussing how you want the delivery to go in advance. So this is a little bit less about like what the birthing plan is and a little bit more about kind of the things that are within your control. Cause you don't always really control the birthing plan. You sort of have a sense of what you'd like to do, but they always say that keep those really flexible here. I'm talking a little bit more about things that you absolutely can control. So for instance, I really wanted to have a little bit of alone time, the three of us before we invited the parents to come in. And so I made that clear, you know, to everybody and, and my wife was on board. And, and so we told our parents, like, look, when the kid's born, we're going to take like a half hour, just the three of us to kind of take it all in. I mean, it's a really new process. And so this will allow us just to give us that little bit of a heartbeat where it's just the three of us and there's nothing else. And and, and that was important mm-hmm. to me. You know, here's another example. I realized after we got home, I was like, hey, I didn't get to cut the cord. And, you know, that may or may not be important to you. I, it wasn't super important to me, but that's what they always show right in the in the TV shows. Like, the dad, mm-hmm. that's that's your, you know, the dad's thing to do. And I, I was like, oh, yeah, I, I kind of missed out on that. And again, I don't I don't regret it because it wasn't something that I, I was really had my heart set on. But if that is something that, that you really want to do, make sure that people know about that. Tell your doctor, right. um, you know, don't just um, hope it comes up because it, it might not. And in the moment, you're going to forget about everything. So if you tell the doctor, mm-hmm. they're going to have the presence of mind a lot better because they've done this multiple times to kind of remember, hopefully, some of the things that you wanted. And so just make sure that people know about that stuff in advance would be my recommendation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then I guess the last thing that I have as it relates to sort of that pre-process is if your parents live far away or if they're sheltering during COVID, get get them a digital photo frame. And, and this is another thing that we discussed in the episode about how our children are dealing with their grandparents and I purchased the digital frame. And what I liked about it is I am able to control the photos. So I can either uh, configure it to work with my Google Photos or you can often send photos by email. So what a great way to you know have your parents engaged in the process where you know the baby's just born, you take that picture and you can email it and instantly they can see it. So you know get that frame in advance, go ahead and configure it, send it out to them. They just have to stick it on their Wi-Fi network and they can share in the process of what's happening in as much as you can, you know, given the constraints that we certainly have these days. So I think that was a lot of stuff at the beginning, but, you know, I think those were really things that I wish I had either known in advance or certainly things that we would have done moving forward. One of the the themes that I'm picking up, and it's maybe worth stating explicitly, is that I do some some other activities, and it's certainly in medicine, it's a practice where there are checklists. There are checklists that you follow and you pre-plan, and then when you're in that moment and it's stressful, all you got to do is follow the checklist, because if you are trying to make decisions in that moment, I mean, you know, I was sleep-deprived, we'd been, all, uh, been up all night with, the, with labor, um, it's, you know, it's exciting, it's something that never happened, so having that sort of pre-planning and that checklist and those agreements ahead of time was really key for us as far as getting through from the, from the actual birth 
to when we got home and, and that first week when you're talking about having that agreement about, and we did something very similar. I would, I would take her, change diapers, uh, get her ready, take her back to her mom and then for breastfeeding. And then afterwards I would burp her and walk around the apartment until she would fall asleep again. And that, and that, that worked, but that was something that we agreed upon ahead of time. And if we hadn't, you know, who knows, every time would have been different. It would have been stressful in a different way. So let's talk now, Jim, a little bit about any advice that we have for people about what to do in the hospital. Yeah, you mentioned the parents. We, I don't think our parents came till at least half a day or maybe even the next day. Uh, and I can't remember why, but I agree that time with just the three of us was really important. And one of the things that I hadn't heard about and that ended up being very important was the, the dad's skin-to-skin mm-hmm. bonding yep. with, uh, with the baby. And that was, I mean, I don't know what the physiology is, but it was certainly something that was enjoyable for me. And I, I feel it was a great experience. And so I'd, I'd like to recommend that to everyone else. It seems like, it seems like something that was important at that time. And strangely in the hospital, I was super careful about the security protocols because that had never occurred to me that there would be some sort of infant napping Mm. going on in a hospital. And so, you know, they had a, they had really good protocols with the bracelets and matching the IDs. And every time they brought her back in, we could see, you know, the numbers matched and all that. And it's, it's hard to, I want to believe like I would recognize if the baby's changed, but I'm (laughs) not entirely sure, you know, they all, they all kind of look the same at that time. So, uh, so I paid attention to that. And then afterwards, you know, like I said, after a half a day or a day, then we had people come to visit and they were very short visits. It's kind of similar. Well, I mean, it is being in a hospital and the quote unquote patient has got some other demands. And so we kept those, those visits pretty short. Um, but it was, again, that was something that we prearranged and, and, uh, had discussed with the parents. Yeah. You know, we, yeah, I think there's not a ton about being in the hospital because a lot of that is really just, there's so much new stuff that you're just trying to take it all in. So I I think that's one thing is just be prepared for that. You know, I will say though, that when we went in, my wife was very clear when we were given the option about sleeping with our daughter or not. And she said, you know what, it's put her in the nursery. Like I need to recover and starting in, you know, whatever, 48 hours from now, there's no yeah. putting her, there's no putting her in a nursery. And so I just want to say that it's okay. You, you know, you're not a bad parent if you, it, you know, if people need a little bit of time, certainly if your wife needs a little bit of time to recover from the pregnancy and, and just wants a little bit of quiet time. And that doesn't mean that the child is away from you for eight hours. I believe they still bring them in to feed. So it's not like yeah. that kid's gone, but it, it really is. Look, they know what they're doing. They can get their, you can, they can get the child to sleep because they do it all the time. Whereas you have no idea what's going on. So mm-hmm. I, I think really the main takeaway there is you're, you know, you're not a bad parent. If you need that time, don't feel guilty about that. You know, it really is. It's okay. And, and just, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's actually a lot of what I see too, about people posting on, on Reddit subreddits is a lot of like, I feel guilty for this. And, and as a, you know, once you've kind of gone through it as a, as a second parent, you go, okay, well that, you don't have to worry about that. That's just new parent stuff. Like new parents are worried about everything. And so, you know, it, it's, it's fine. So with that being said, now we transition into going home from the hospital. What kind of advice do you have for how to deal with that? Now you're a legit parent stage. Right. There was an older lady who gave me some advice and she said, um, she said, just go into your bedroom, open the bottom drawer of your dresser, turn it into a, a place for the kid to sleep make some TV dinners. Every time you eat them, just throw the empty trays under the bed and just, you know, hang out in bed for a week. And uh, we didn't 
quite do that, but we did kind of something similar where we just we just gave ourselves a lot of time to just to just do what we needed to do uh, as uh, you know as new parents. And what I was remembering, thinking about when we came home from the hospital. I can't remember how long after, but it was a day or two or maybe a half day. I don't even remember. But we, uh, uh, my wife and I had like a, like a sit down sort of celebratory dinner, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, our daughter fell asleep and then we could sit down and kind of have a, a quiet moment. And it was really emotional for me because it was the first time in, you know, three days, let's say, where we just had a moment of peace and quiet where we could be with each other. And that the contrast, I think, was, um, uh, you know, it was was very emotional to just have that moment to reflect and realize that we'd been through something that was very exciting and and uh, and busy, and it was important for us to have that that time to kind of reflect. That leads into kind of the first week or the first two weeks or the first month where I really tried to be present and really tried to spend as much time as I could with the family and and um, and with our our new daughter. Because we always have those demands, you know, we have demands of work and other things. And there's that sort of American work culture where like, I got to get things done and things are happening without me and I'm very stressed out. And so I had to make a conscious effort to just be present and just know that all that stuff is going to wait. And I have a something I remind myself about frequently is that, you know, money comes and goes, but time only goes. And that was never clearer to me than when our kid was an infant and we were just dealing with that first month or so. That's a really precious time. And so once we kind of got into a, a rhythm, I was really able to enjoy that time pretty well. It, I, I wanted, it, you reminded me about the food. Mm. You know, people always say, what can we do to help? Mm-hmm. How can I help? Is there something I can do? And people offer food. And at first we're like, ah, you know, so we take it, take it, all, take all the food you can get. Yeah. Because uh, we were, you know, as we were, we were just, we were just cooking it all. Yeah. You know, uh, one thing that you talked about is that that time. And when I talk to new fathers that are friends of mine, and, you know, I know a few that are just hard workers, and I, I always tell them, you're never going to get that moment back. Right. You know, and, and certainly the, those first couple of weeks suck, right? Because you're just, you, everyone's learning everything. <laughs> I mean, all three of you guys are learning something new. Um, and there's no way to sugarcoat it. But, but those are precious moments that that moment when you just you see your kid sleeping quietly and you you know you just you have that moment to sort of take it all in and really understand what's just happened you know you're you're never going to get that time back so so i i would wholeheartedly agree that really those first few weeks are so important some of the things that uh you know i would say in terms of advice for 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 new parents about those first few weeks and a lot of this is really specifically for dads is the first thing I did a lot of research on postpartum and understanding what the signs are. And, you know, when you hear about postpartum in the news, it's, it's something bad always happened. And, and, you know, look, those are edge cases, but it was something that I was aware of. And so I felt that my responsibility was to understand the signs and to just kind of keep an eye out on my wife's mental health, sort of check in. And obviously, you you, you know, you know your wife's behavior and, and her personality, and there are going to be some changes just naturally. But, you know, as long as you kind of understand, I think, what those signs are, I, I felt that that was my responsibility, you know, to, to just kind of make sure that she was okay and, and check for any of these sort of very extreme situations. The other thing I would say is 
even if you guys have decided on breastfeeding, there is still a role for you to play as the father. So, you know, again, I, I'm earlier I mentioned on the just being prepared for the bottles and, and being ready for it. But I would also say that so when our first was born, we had access to lactation consultants. And I would say that in the first two to three weeks, we saw the lactation consultant twice a week uh, because, mm-hmm. you know, there are some difficulties in breastfeeding. And that, that's normal, right? Like nobody, again, nobody knows what they're doing. The baby's learning and the mom's learning. Everyone's learning what to do. And so in that time we saw probably in, in those visits, we, we probably, we went through the entire staff of lactation consultants. I think we saw like five to seven of them and we had all sorts of new things to try. And again, this is where some of the bottle feeding stuff came into play is that while you're working through the breastfeeding, you still want to supplement with bottles. But we got sort of to that last visit. And I remember the lactation consultant who had actually seen us earlier on said, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong if you can't breastfeed, you know, not everybody can do it. Mm -hmm, Not everybody mm -hmm, produces enough milk. So that's okay. But she said, you know, there's one more thing I want to check. And she checked the frenulum, which is the piece of skin that connects your Mm -hmm. gum to your upper lip. And she's like, you know, you might want to get that looked at. And what happens is if you have, a, I guess, a, I think it's a tight frenulum. If you have a tight frenulum, it can create difficulties in the baby's ability to latch properly. And so we're like, huh, this is new information that we hadn't heard about in all the visits that we had come across. And so we went to go see a specialist and they're like, yes, absolutely. We need to clip that thing. And once you know what happens, it's very fast. And then things started dominoing from there where it got easier to breastfeed and everything like that. And so I would just say that just kind of keep that in the back of your mind that if your wife is having problems with breastfeeding. It could be a frenulum issue. And when we had our second one, they actually brought somebody in. I think it's now, it might be practice now where they, they bring somebody into the hospital room to just give your child a check on the frenulum just to, to check. And so that, that way you don't find out after you've been trying for a few weeks and you don't have to schedule a separate visit. Like they just take the kid away, they clip the frenulum and you see them again in five minutes. It's super fast. So it's just something that I think keep in, in the back of your mind there. Another thing is, and, and I think Jim and I, we've, we've sort of alluded to this kind of throughout, but when you come home, regardless of how involved you may or may not have been in the house, you know, manning the house in terms of cleaning and cooking and all that stuff, I think you need to change your mindset and know that you are now or should be responsible right. for all of it. And certainly in those, Logistics. Right, and certainly in those first few weeks as your wife is recovering, you know, if you don't know how to cook, I would suggest either you buy a bunch of frozen food or you start learning to cook, you know, find a few simple recipes, get those things down, learn to cook before the baby arrives. But, you know, we keep talking about food because it is so important. You just, you don't have a lot of time. I love to cook. And when in those first few weeks, you know, I'm, I'm eating cereal because that's all the strength that I have to do. <laughs> and there's nothing else, right? Here's a bowl of cereal for dinner and... It's quick. It's easy. There's very little mess, but that's not really the way you want to make it through this. So really kind of think that stuff through, but know that you are responsible for all that stuff. And you might not have been in the past, but you know it's time to put on your big boy pants and um, take ownership of that stuff. Mm-hmm. One other thing that we haven't really discussed that came as a total shock to me was that in the first two weeks, you have to get up every two hours to yeah. feed your child. And I don't know why nobody told me that before. It was kind of like one of these things that you learn in the hospital, which is 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 incredibly shocking because your child has been screaming all day and now they're finally asleep. And you realize, <laughs> oh God, I have to wake that kid up in two hours. And I think it's especially tough at night when you're like, you know, okay, the next one at three o'clock now, five o'clock. Um, 
And so again, that's why what I did was I was responsible for setting that alarm to wake up in those first couple of weeks. So just kind of know that and, and mentally be prepared for that. The last couple of things are just sort of anecdotes, but, um, you know, the drugstore and the local supermarket, those are going to be your best friends for those first few weeks. You know, again, we, the plan was to breastfeed, but it, it doesn't always work out that way. And so you might find yourself at 3 a.m. looking for formula because you were so tired you forgot to order it when you should have. So just know that there could be a few 3 a.m. trips to the local CVS or whatever. Get used to that. And and the last thing is, and I, I, this is another thing that I see on Reddit all the time is, look, don't don't sweat the developmental milestones. You know, everybody, all new parents know, okay, my kids should be walking at this point. They should turn over at this point. First words at this point. Those are guidelines. You know, your kid will be plus or minus. And if you have concerns, you know, obviously talk to your pediatrician, but there's always going to be ends of the spectrum here. Some kids will get there earlier. Some kids will get there later. And you know what? If you're behind a little bit, it doesn't mean your child's behind. It doesn't mean anything in the scheme of things. Um, so really, as a new parent, it's good to know I knew every single milestone for the first one and I was dialed in. And for the second one, like literally the second one, I'm like, is she, so she's supposed to be walking? Like, I can't remember. Like, when do we hit solid? F-? Like, you just forget about all that stuff because you understand that it's not, they're not hard and fast and there's a lot of variability. So, um, you know, give yourself a break. And maybe that's the big takeaway from all of this, I think, is that a little bit of planning is helpful. But at the end of the day, cut yourself some slack. It's tough really, really tough to be a parent on your first one around. And, you know, there's so many new things. And obviously with all the other situations going on in the world today. So just cut yourself a little bit of slack and, mm-hmm. and you know, you'll be fine. So that does it for our advice for new parents. If you have any questions for us, hit us up on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash papayfatigue, P-A-P-A-E-S-T-F-A-T-I-G-U-E. And we'll be sure to put all the links in the show notes. Thanks for listening to the Papa Fatigue podcast. If you like the podcast, please give us a review and don't forget to subscribe to get ideas and hear discussions around parenting as a dad. We'll talk to you next time.